Yeah. Hello, dear listener, and you are listening to the Mantic Universe podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm very lucky to be joined today by Danny Graves. Hey, Danny, how are you, sir? Hello, Christopher. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Kind sir. And uh, we're also very, very lucky and privileged to have Walt back. Hey, Walt, how are you, sir? Hi, Chris. How are you going? Good day, Danny. Good to see you. Oh, we're well. uh, from the other side of the planet. It's <laughs> a weird experience, to be fair. Like, and we're, and we're, we're a whole year apart, right? Well, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> we, yeah. we are. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Are you ahead of us or are you behind us? Uh, oh, come on, Danny. We're ahead of you. Okay. Great. <laughs> so what happens in, in so many future? ways. Sorry? He's what in the past. The He's in 2023 you're, still for another nearly hour. hour. You're 12 hours ahead of us. You know what's going to happen 12 hours in the future. You're like yeah. a modern Martin McFly. Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> it, it gets better. All right. That's all still, I can oh, say. Thanks, you. man. And the good news is, dear listener, this episode has gone sideways so quickly, the pressure is off. <laughs> so, so time traveling, you both, thank, thank you so much for joining me for this Mup Shorts narrative special for your new year, guys. I very much appreciate it. I'm actually sitting, as, as we're recording, I'm actually sitting in my mum's hobby room, which is very different from my, my hobby room. Far fewer goblins. Um Super. So, uh, dear listener, we're here to talk about uh, narrative gaming. So the the muck short I recorded with Walt dropped yesterday and uh, I just had a lovely, lovely old time playing with Danny uh, a couple of days ago, dear listener. So it just seemed like the perfect opportunity to get the, both these guys on who are, oh, let's be honest, I mean, you're both very modest, but two of the, the best narrative gamers in all of Mantic, I would say, you know, you're right, you're right up there, you're top shelf. Uh, so, so you say that, honestly, but that is that is one of the first times I've actually ever done narrative gaming in Panathor. <laughs> but that's I've done a lot. Let's get so let's let's get on. To, that's fascinating. I didn't know that. So let's get into that a little bit later. So let's do very quickly do our little housekeeping bit. So do you listen If you enjoy what you're what you're hearing, um, believe it or not, people do. Uh, please give us a five star review wherever you're listening to this. It really helps us with the algorithm, whatever that means. More people get to get to hear us. So that would be great. Um, if you still haven't used it, the Mantic, Univer- uh, the Mantic Web Store discount code is Universe15. It's one per customer. So fill your boots. And if you go to the Baron of Dice website, use the code Mantic Universe for a five percent discount. And I was using proudly using my Baron of Dice dice two days ago. Danny, what did you think of my dice? They're quite nice. They are what very I love about, nice. What you I always want to see dice about this. Is, I can actually see what's on the dice. Uh, beautiful big grey ones with big black dots on. I can see exactly what you were rolling all the time. So long Perfect. as that's there, I'm happy. Perfect. Super. And uh, dear listener, get yourself over to Corvus Games Terrain for lovely uh, STL, uh, STL files. Anyway, 3D printing files and put in the code MUP podcast 15, uh, sorry, MU podcast 15 for 15% off. Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, as it's New Year and I'm feeling very sentimental, I just wanted to say again a huge thank you to Fred, who has taken over the editing of uh, of MUP. And I'll be honest with you, I tried listening to an old episode that I edited uh, a couple of weeks ago. I literally couldn't get through it because of the weird noises terrible sound quality random music very loudly suddenly appearing it's um so uh yeah fred thank you so much buddy you are the secret hero of mup 
and uh, we very much appreciate what you do. It's uh, it's made a huge, huge difference. So thank you very much for that. Super. So let's move on to talking about narrative gaming, guys. So, um, yes. So first, dear listener, I'll refer you to our previous episode. That was episode 33. I recorded with Walt. Uh, and Walt came up came out with some absolutely fascinating stuff about putting gamers in four different categories depending on what their main incentive is for playing games. So there are gamers who just want to win. There are gamers who want to see someone else lose. There are gamers who play because of the friendships and the the community, which is probably me. You know, that's probably my main motivation. And then there are I think the diamonds, if I'm remembering it right, players who play because of the narrative and how the story of the game unfolds. And um, so that's what we want to just dig into um, a little bit, dear listener. And we have the perfect example uh, because Danny, two days ago, uh, I played three games of Ambush with Danny and um, he came up with a brilliant little story. Um, so I just wanted to to unpack that a little bit and help uh, help the dear listener if you're interested in any of this, but you're a little bit nervous, which is totally understandable. Of well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put myself out there, um, and just we we can explain the the process behind it, uh, what we did, how the battles went, what that meant for the story, and uh, you know just have a lovely old time talking about toy soldiers. How does that sound, guys? Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, fine. Nice, super. So, um, so Danny, you are very well known with the community, but maybe we just quickly start with who who is Danny Graves? And you know, you go to a lot of tournaments. You're a good player. You're you're a you're a writer. Where do you where do you start with that? Um, how far do you want me to go back, Chris? Uh, I started <laughs> when I was little, and I saw an advert for Hero Quest on the TV, and uh, obviously. Growing up in the 80s, you're getting to watch stuff like Beast Slayer and He-Man and Transformers, Thundercats, all the really cool stuff. Um, and that's just always stayed with me. So after Hero Quest, got into Space Crusade and we had Battle Masters, uh, as reading fighting fantasy books. And this was like the late 80s. Um, I think Death Trap Dungeon was my first one. Worked my way through all of them. And in the front of one of those books was a little thing saying, hey, if you like these, check out White Dwarf magazine. And then that's what kicked me into wargaming. I think it was episode 128 of White Dwarf, which was May 1990, something literally that far back. And that just kickstarted me and I've been doing it ever since. Oh, did you take um, a, Did you take a break? Did you do the classic during your twenties? You were embarrassed and come back to it later, or did you just carry plow on through? I've never been embarrassed, Chris. Never in my entire life. <laughs> but I did stop because at some point in my life, beer and girls and rock and roll just seemed way much more fun. Um, but then I was dancing in a nightclub and broke my foot, uh, and I was just sat around at my mother's board. I was like got nothing to do it was like still got the zombies up on that shelf so i got them down painting it next thing i knew a few weeks later i was hobbling into the local games workshop next thing i knew i was working for games workshop for four years in retail and once i did that um i just carried on playing horus heresy 40k warhammer until the old world exploded in a shower of poo uh, and i played aos for a few months found out it was terrible um and a mate put me on to kings of war one of the local shops was doing it um i was the only person who turned up for the demo day 
and so I sat there painting the shop Kings of War Dwarf models all day on my own. Uh, some guy came in at dinner time, gave me like half an hour game. But obviously playing Warhammer for so long, it's just like, well, it's quite easy. Uh, just did a local tournament and then went straight on to my first Clash of Kings over in Cardiff. That was 2016 or 17. Um, and I've been doing it ever since. Amazing. Fantastic. So we were playing, Danny, we were playing three games of Ambush anyway. And obviously playing Ambush because that way you can just get more games in, right? And it lets you yeah. do, do more things. It was really, really great. Um, so I brought my army over from Germany, although I forgot the game map, which drove me absolutely crazy. I brought everything except for the map. And Danny messaged me to say, do I need to bring anything? And I was like, no, no, I've got all the terrain and everything. So, oh, no, what have I done? Um, but I was absolutely delighted to see Danny had just come up with this little bit of story for the games. Um, so maybe, Danny, you can talk a little bit about what what inspired you to. So you mentioned earlier in the pod that you'd actually never done this before. So what what inspired you to, to just take the leap and put pen to paper? Well, I've never done it in Panathor before, but when I was working at Games Workshop, obviously every week we've got all these kids coming into the shop going, yeah, 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 frothing. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we playing? We're we playing a big game and we're doing this and we're doing that. And for four years, I've had to entertain those kids with that level of energy. And you have to come up with cool stuff on the spot. You have to come up with mini campaigns that are simple enough to keep them entertained. Uh, they've got to be so all the kids can join in. Um, so all that stuff. Uh, I had to do daily as a job. Um, and when you said you're coming over for a game, it's, it's just ambush. But I'm not driving all that way down to see you on the south coast just for one game. So we'll probably do about three. And I remember listening to you and Clem and you were like, oh, yeah, Clem did all this background stuff for this game. And it's so brilliant. Oh, I loved it. And this and that. And I was like, oh, I'll do a little one for Chris because he loves stuff so like I this. I was the kid. Yeah. So you I were the, the kid, Chris. To entertain. You were Perfect. the kids coming into the games workshop. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, and so and so I, I suppose your starting point was, well, you know, Chris, you know what army Chris is bringing. And you asked yep. me, what's your who's your leader? And what's what are they called? Yeah. So and then you, you took that information, although I, um, I actually asked you to name my leader for me because I thought that was much cooler. Um, <laughs> big mistake, so took, Chris. Big mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then so you took that information, Danny. And what did you do next? Well, I was like, well, what army do I want to bring along? And I was like, well, to be honest, doing three games might be a bit boring. So I'll bring three different armies to give you more of an experience of playing different things. When it's at ambush level, it can often get to the point where you're playing the same game over and over and over again if you've got the same forces. So I thought I'll bring three different ones. Uh, so I wrote a couple of lists just quickly. I was like, oh, that's quite good fun. Uh, how can we tie all this together? So looking at your race, your Twilight Kin, you've come across the seas uh, from Germany. So you've invaded the coast with your Twilight Kin. So we can do that. Uh, so I found a little area of the map that had the straits like about as wide as the English Channel. I was like, we, we can do it there. What's the local geography? Well, that's too big. A city. It's the city of Sparta. That's a bit too big for an ambush game. So I'll make up a little village a little bit further south. Yeah, I think if we went to Sparta, we'd be arrested by the local Brazilian magistrate <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. So you've always got to keep those, even though it's short and it's simple, you've got to have those things to make it realistic in your brain. So an ambush game, it's village sized. We'll stick with the village. The village needs a name. So I called it Junos because a lot of the Brazilian things have name, names like, you know, Julia, um, 
So slight Roman yeah, Greco like the theme. angels, right? So, the Elohi. Yeah, so yeah, Julius Julius will do. And it's only Perfect. a little ambush game. If it's a rubbish name, it doesn't matter. You never have to hear it again in your entire life. So long as you're having fun. I think we mentioned it once in the entire the day. So if you do something wrong or there's an aspect that you, of your narratives that's bad, just ignore it. It's fine. To me, there's no to me there's no wrong answers though. As long as you're having fun, that's it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It really, yeah. really doesn't matter. And what what I think but it does matter. Part- it does matter if it's really stupid and it grates on you. And if somebody <laughs> says, "Hey, I'm gonna have," uh, he's gonna be. Mr. Sparkly Twinklebum is going to be my character's name. It's like, ah, that doesn't really fit. And then you've got the guy going, Sparkly Twinklebum for the entire day. So, uh, like, so what I would say then Kind of ruining the immersion for me. At the beginning, you need to talk to your opponent and make sure you're on the same page. And if one of you wants to call your character Sparkly twin, Twinklebum and the other one wants to take it quite serious, quote unquote seriously, then, yeah, you need to, you need to compromise on that or play with somebody yeah. else. You, yeah, you and, basically have a bubble of narrative uh, that everything has to fit into. And if you go calling, outside of I that mean, bubble. Yeah. Calling a character Sparkly Twinklebum, it can be funny, but you're that's not going to be canon, is it, in any any which way? And it can break the immersion of the other person because it, I, I, I feel like that could very quickly tip over into t- taking the mick out of the other, pl- you know, like this is not a comfortable place to be, but if you both want to call the characters sparkly twin twinkle bum, go at, go at it. But what I think yeah. both of you are fantastic at and really, really came across is in the narrative you guys write, whether it's the, the orcs or the twilight kin or whatever, or the basilians is, you guys really nail the character of the armies you're talking about in in the little bit of work you do, and I think that's super super important. It makes a huge difference to me. And mm. sorry, sorry, Walt, uh, we we are talking a lot, and we will continue to talk a lot. But no, do no, you, no, do please do. I, I I'm finding this totally interesting. And Danny, I know exactly where you're coming from. You know, uh, it's 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 sort of like listening to a, re- a recording of yourself. <laughs> so a lot of a lot of the ideas you're talking about and how you create your narrative, uh, it, 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 yeah, it's refreshing to to hear. Look, can I just ask a quick question? I mean, obviously um, uh, Chris was ready to come over. How long did it take you to create this? To you know, once 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 you guys started talking, uh, did you do it in an afternoon or how how long did it um, take you to do? Generally, um, I'll just have a few ideas flicking back in my head. It's like, oh, it'd be nice to do this. How would I do it? Um, no major sit down. I need to write this narrative. It's like one little train of thought leading on to another. Uh, I literally just took out my phone, took out the pages app, uh, wrote a few sentences. I'll come back to it later. Some of it I wrote on the toilet. Some of it I watched, sat, wrote, sat on the uh, sofa watching World's Strongest Man qualifiers. Uh, some I wrote in bed while my girlfriend's reading before we go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of turned up and sometimes you'll get stuck and be like, Oh, what name do I, I want to put? So I'll just put four big X's and I'll come back to it later. Yeah. So nice. So my flow keeps going and I get most of it down and I can just come and plug little gaps and I'll read it all over at the end and go, well, that doesn't quite fit. Just change a little bit here and we're good to go. But, but for you, the game's already started, right? And you writing that narrative. Yeah. The fun's already yeah. started for you. Isn't it? I mean, really? 
Yeah. Well, um, I say because I write, write some of the novels for Winter Star, so I'm mm-hmm. quite into the Panathor lore uh, and the ideas and the thoughts and how do you write this and what's this character? How does this person fit in this world? Uh, where do they live? What do they eat? Um, so I've always got this constant churn of ideas and thoughts about different Panathor races and uh, different science fiction races because all through like real life, uh, all through different science fiction franchises, there's good stuff in everything, and you yeah. can cherry pick little ideas from all of them. You don't have to wholesale bring like massive theologies over, but just little thoughts and feelings you can bring over and just put into characters and just flesh them out. So to write something in Panathor with a narrative, you, you basically, like I say, you've got that bubble, and everything within that bubble is Panathor, and you just squeeze in that bubble down until you've got this tiny little pinprick bubble with all your thoughts in for this campaign at this time with these characters and that's what you're doing yeah right so you're taking a, a huge <laughs> that's brilliant danny so you're taking a, a, a big a big amount of information and then just f- slowly but surely whittling it down to be very very focused so as you say you know who's there the characters the time the location and all that important information is is tied down when i was um when i wrote the signal campaign uh, for firefight it was just purely uh, Rob Bowman's short story had me so interested in this idea of a plague general who may, has more of his intelligence and what that might mean. Um, and so I was thinking, oh, what, what might he do next? And then, of course, thinking, well, what factions are going to be playing in the game? Although that didn't matter so much. It was fairly interchangeable. I easily could have winged it that why the Asterians are there or why the, you know, whatever, the enforcers or whoever. Um but to me, it was just that that starting point, that kernel of an idea was somebody else's, right? It was just, well, this is really interesting and I want to kind of explore this with our game. So, um, yeah, however, I think, dear listener, however you get there. And, and what I did was I, I started writing some basic ideas. I think within about 10, 15 minutes, I had the, the, the very, very rough idea of what I wanted to do. Um, and then, you know, if I was going for a walk or I just had a bit of time to myself, I found myself just thinking about it and coming up with ideas. And I thought, well, they're, they're all coming down to this planet. Well, w- wouldn't it be nice if one of them was shot down, you know, they, and they crash landed and then the, the battle is within their kind of derelict spaceship, you know, the crash spaceship and uh, ideas just sort of come to you and some of them get swept aside. You know, some of them don't work, but um, you know, we're not, um, these things don't have to make forensic sense, right? That we're not, no. <laughs> you know, we are just, we are purely having fun. Perfect. So Danny, can I ask you, please, uh, would you be kind enough to read out the, the opening uh, bit of fiction you wrote? So this was yeah. this is basically the, the bit that kicks us off. So we're, we're there preparing for our first battle. On the coast of Basilia in the deep South, near the Straits of Sparta lies the village of Junos protected by the paladin order of the Celestial Grove and its attendant men-at-arms. High paladin Daniel is sworn to defend the folk of the land and is beset by the vampire Gradesh and his ghoulish coterie, who are slaughtering farmsteads and travellers. The area is in chaos and confusion and ripe for plunder. Hearing of the conflict, the Twilight kinship, the daughter of blackness, under the command of the void captain Crithomar decides to take advantage, but runs aground in conflict with the Trident Realms who are defending the coast. With their ship trapped, 
Krithomar presses on regardless, but immediately comes into contact with Likotishbit, the river guard captain charged with protecting the coast. He has roused his kin and the local creatures to face down the invaders. Yeah. Dum, dum, dum. So from there, so per, that was Danny. I tell you what, that was beyond my wildest dreams. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, brilliant. Absolutely the writing, brilliant. The writing is just fantastic. It's yeah. so good. Um, so Dan and Danny, and let's let you have a little drink to recover from that. So what? And so then the. So what was the scenario for the first game? So the first game was plunder because they're we plundering. They come to plundering. Um, yeah, makes perfect sense. Yeah, makes perfect sense. So the, let's talk a little bit about the game and how that then led into the narrative, the next bit of narrative in the story. So um, I actually think, Danny, I started the Twilight Kin. I started OK. I moved up the board, got the tokens. You'd set <clears> up a horrible trap for me, which I didn't take the bait. I actually backed up. Um, but I think I got a bit unlucky. I charged out my void skiffs, if you remember, um, yeah. against your tree leapier type fellas. I forget exactly what they're called, but I really, really needed to kill them. And I did a dis- disappointing amount of wounds. So you were st- still in combat. So then I got a giant leaping frog in the flank, then doing suddenly doing 10 attacks, not five attacks. With then, brutal. Yeah, 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 yeah. With brutal. <laughs> You also took off my, um, I think you took took off my, um, what's he called, my impaler hero, big impaler, scary fella. And at that point, I'd lost my thunderous charge two thing and my crushing strength two thing. And you had two units of gigas, which are yeah, big, shields, <laughs> big shields, big um, shields. So I kind of, I kind of managed to do three or four wounds to most things, but not enough, not enough to kill them. Um, and to be honest, after that point, I, I started pretty well. I think that's fair to say, right, Danny? But then, yeah. But then, from that point on, I just collapsed. Uh, didn't didn't have enough crushing strength or anything to take things off, and you just sort of slowly but surely ground me down. And the gigas, I think they've only got six attacks, but they're six really good attacks. Crush so, two, hitting on crush the vicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The vicious hit, makes a big difference. Reli- really reliable. Um, and the ensnare. So my, I had, I had um, corsairs. I had two troops of corsairs. They hit on fours with elite, which is pretty darn good. But then with ensnare, they're suddenly hitting on fives. It's a rough, it's a rough day, isn't it? With only crush. But then one. they have the crush one, which compensates. So um, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it balances out. So yeah, but um, and let's say, uh, dear listener, if it's not clear already, Danny is a very good player, and I'm a at best. A mediocre player um, is is putting it kindly. So that was a, a crushing. So we we got off our boats and then wished we picked another beach to raid, right? Yep, you got slapped by a big fat frog. Uh. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> and some scary crabs. I'm just sort of imagining them just sort of poking their heads out of the sand, you know, as as we're all getting off. They hear the footprints, they feel the vibrations, <laughs> uh, and we very much regretted getting off our boats. So, Danny, what happened then with the with the story? So, with the story, um, I thought, well, we could just do three in a row with some narrative between, or we could do whoever wins gets a little bit of a bonus in the next game. You know, just keep it fun. So, if the trident, uh, if the 
Twilight Kin won that, they would capture some of the Thule and the Gigas, all the ferocious sea creatures, as they do with the void creatures, and they could then throw them at the enemy. Uh, so, like the Void Wrangler rule, uh, Tormentor Unleashed. So instead of releasing Reapers, uh, they could release um, Thule at people. So I thought that'd be quite good fun. So um, if the Twilight King won, uh, one unit gets the Tormentor Unleashed special rule in game two. Uh, and if the Trident Realms win, the objectives in the next game would be ages fra- count as Aegis Fragments for Basilians controlling them, which gets us on to game two. Perfect, perfect, and um, perfect. Danny, would you mind just reading the next bit? The next bit of the story. <coughs> Learning of the fresh enemy from the coast, yet loath to leave the village undefended against the d- undead, High Paladin Daniel orders the placing of Aegis fragments to create a holy barrier to hold them back. While it is enacting, while she is enacting this plan, that the Basilians are come upon by the dastardly corsairs. Now, this is a good example of stealing an idea and putting it into your narrative, because in the end times in Warhammer, they created a holy barrier around Sylvania to keep all the vampires in uh, using holy icons and spells. So uh, I've taken the Basilian holy icons, the Aegis fragments, I've stolen that idea, and they're going to plant them around the village to create a holy barrier to keep the undead out. So that's just a really good example. You're like, that's a good idea. I'm having that. Um, So for this game, we play a pillage. So it'd be an objective-based game. And if my Basilians were controlling one of those objectives for that game, they get a free Aegis Fragment, which improves their Iron Resolve. As it turned out, this didn't come up at all in the game. So uh, <laughs> completely irrelevant. But what's funny as well, Danny, is is uh, in general, uh, the, way the, the way the game is played now, I'm not interested in tool, at, at all in Basilians because it seems like all people play is the Angels and the Palace Guard. And to me, they'd be in the capital. There'd be hardly any of them. And they'd only go for, for the, the most important battles. They wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have hordes of Alohi on every single battle. That, yeah. To me, that's nuts. And what's interesting, and, and I think what we were talking about it a little bit on the, 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 the last podcast, dear listener, is um, this idea of, well, the other stuff, the people, you know, trying to hold things, desperately hold things together when they have quite a corrupt and, and um, selfish government, you know. Uh, but it's just people doing their best with what they have. To me, that's super, super interesting. And that's exactly what you've come up with here, Danny. And um, and I absolutely loved it. So the, yes, yeah, so the Twilight Kin. So we were we were coming in um, and fighting against a very balanced and mixed um, Basilian force. And I, I don't, did we, did we mention all these games were 750 points of ambush, do you listen? Yeah, um, so I noticed had, that, Chris. I noticed that. You know, I had a look at those lists and they're, you know, there's 750 points. And, you know, the unit selection in them, you know, I, I, I was so impressed by it because they weren't over the top. You know, they were really driven by the narrative that you'd written, Danny. Yeah. And uh, I thought, how cool is that? Uh, the good thing about this is, you know, as narrative players, we can enjoy now the whole range of miniatures, not just the, you know, the top tier yeah, miniatures that you see at tournaments. Yeah, you you can you know the storyline allows you to take those units that you've always wanted to paint up, but they never come out of the cupboard. So yeah, I, I yeah I like it. Seven hundred and fifty points, you know, and uh, a lot of it was pretty basic sort of stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. In, in fact, the first game. How many heroes did you have in the first game? 
I had a Nyad, in, uh, a Nyad Stalker, uh, and I was a bit gamey with this. So I gave him the Gnome Glass Shield yeah. uh, for the first round. Uh, and in a regular Kings of War game, they're all right. But put her in an ambush game with that regen and that ensnare and uh, that nerve and the self-inspiring and the Gnome Glass Shield, you can just stick her into anything and she'll sort of yeah. like, hold that flank up for a couple of turns. Uh, I and I had a Riverguard Sentinel her, and I was lucky to pop her. Yeah, I, I was yeah. expecting her to stick around for another turn. And then I've got the Dam Buster, and he's brilliant because he can fly. He's basically just having a frog on a frog, just bouncing all over the battlefield. It's, it's brilliant fun, so I uh, took that one as well. <laughs> and I called him Liquor Tea Split. Yeah, I, I picked up on that. <laughs> and I had to be my list. <laughs> in my list, I had two heroes. So I had the Soul Bane Impaler, the big hulking guy, who is super cool. And I think uh, he's defense four, which is his terrible uh, weakness, but, you know, which balances him out because other than that, he's um, absolutely amazing. Beast. Um, <laughs> nine attacks. If you get him in the flank, nine amazing attacks, hitting on threes, re-rolling ones with elites and crush two. He's, he's fantastic, isn't he? Mm. I think I'll struggle against good players, but I'll struggle against good players anyway. Danny very much is a good <laughs> player. Um Super. And and it was, yeah, so, and I think your Basilian army, you had a troop of cavalry, you had a troop of Gurf Panthers, I think you had, was it two regiments of kind of spear blokes? Yes, two regiments of spearmen. And you had a, a hero, a mounted hero, lady on a horse. Yep, high paladin, Danielle. Uh, <laughs> and you had, and you had the beautiful, not upgraded Phoenix, I think, who was a... No, just oh, a basic Phoenix a thing. Just the base, to be yeah, honest, yeah, yeah, that is quite basic. a gamey model, but it is just gorgeous, and I wanted it on the table, so I took it. Oh, yeah. it's my favourite Mantic model, I think. That was oh, that was a disaster for me. Uh, it was um, <laughs> the shooting attack on that, and the nimble, and being able to get around the table, the speed, and everything was just a nightmare. But um, I, I had a go at uh, the Void Skiffs, had a go at shooting at the the giant flaming chicken. We gave it a go, didn't we, Danny? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Re- Regen 4 plus man you can't beat it <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. Uh, well I certainly couldn't beat it that's for sure that gate um because I think actually because my two um troops of um my corsairs have phalanx so I think that was a trickier matchup for you but to be honest you've just played really well like you 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 know you are a better you are a much better player than me but I think in that game I, I it just showed you you played really well I, I I actually think in the three games I played pretty well I mean particularly for me you know yeah. that's good played all right but you know I think it was um a bad matchup for you but you're the better player and so you won you know that's mm-hmm. you know I think that's a fair a fair thing to say um so, yeah, so I didn't really get a look in in that second game, I think, to be honest. I, at no point did I think, oh, maybe, maybe. Because in the first game, I think for the first sort of 30% of the game, I was in the game and then it fell away from me. Whereas the second game, I, I felt like you were always in control of the situation, if you know what I mean. Well, you know? with the Basilian one, you took out my spearman in one charge and my other regiment went into your void skiffs and bounced. And then my, uh, all I had to do was a couple of wounds on them to finish them off and my phoenix didn't even cause one wound uh, so turns three and four it was looking a bit dicey but um that was incredibly it, bad luck though i think you, <laughs> you, you, you ha- i think you rolled something like five dice and you just needed a four 
you didn't get a single yeah. four on five dice. That was incredibly unlucky. Yeah, yeah. And your four attack captain took off the go panthers in one go as well. So, it, it... oh, my four attack captain is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, what what would have happened if the Bissalians uh, had lost it, Danny? What would have happened? Where would, where would the story so, have taken us? So, if the Basilians lost, uh, they would retreat and fortify the village, denying the undead their final assault. Weary from attempting to cross the Holy Barrier, they are easy pickings for the Twilight Kin, and the effect would be that all undead lose their life for each one. So, they've been weakened by trying to get through the Holy Barrier, they're tired, they're exhausted, they lose their life for each. However, if the Basilians win... <clears throat> Watching the Basilian victory from afar, Gravesh realises he does not have the strength or forces to take the village of Junos, nor the paladin fort. Instead, he sees the flying, uh, the fleeing twilight kin and sees easy pickings. He tears after them with his cannibal whore to sate his rage. All undead gain life leech plus one, and Gravesh swaps his profile to the blood rage option. Nice. So, um, Mantic games, Mantic games, minis all the year. Morgoth's mad and Jarvis is good and Undead still OP. Night Stalkers, Northern Alliance, what's your favourite race? Clem will only play 10 mil and Mantic fits the bill. Great. I don't know if you've ever seen the film. I think it's uh, 30 Days of Night. It's like yes. a small, vi- small village up in Alaska. Uh, they're struggling to survive and all these cannibal vampires just descend on it and tear everybody to pieces. So I kind of had that in my head. Um, right. So get the extra life leech. Um, to make them look more ravenous. Had a lot of ghouls and a vampire in my host. Um, and I gave Gravesh, obviously my name's Daniel Graves, so I called my high paladin Danielle, because she's a girl. Um, and my vampire was Graves, Gravesh, uh, as Chris's uh, captain was called, Chris Thomas. So if you say Chris Thomas with a lisp, you've pretty much got it. Uh, <laughs> um, so Gravesh, he got... Um, swapped his profile to being Crush 3, Defence 4 and Life Leech 3 just to uh, represent him being a a ravenous psychotic and this game went horrifically bad for me. Take it away Chris I've got to be honest Danny, at this point I was feeling, and the story made it pointedly so, I thought, got out of our ships we've been slaughtered by the the, you know, on the beach we've been massacred we've somehow made it to the local town where we've been slaughtered by the you know, the local garrison forces and then we're running back to our ships, being pursued by the undead. It's been we've had a horrible holiday. It's been a, we've, had a, we've had a dreadful time. I've Merry lost my Christmas. passport. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we're these big, scary, dark, you know, evil elves. Yeah. You know, and oh, let's get out of here, yeah, guys. Chris, yeah, yeah, Chris, you're just not going to take any more of it, are you? I mean, you're Twilight Kin. I mean, that's enough is enough. I mean, seriously, enough, enough I mean, is enough. Enough is yeah. enough. Um, and at this point, Danny had t- taken this absolutely wonderfully thematic um, undead list. You'd, and you had a load of, and Danny, sorry, help me out with this. You had a load of ghouls. You had yeah. your, as we mentioned, your your named hero who was, you know, just an absolute machine. Well, you never see vampire lords in big games because everybody's like, oh, it needs to be on a horse. So you've got to take the special characters. So having something small and narrative is a perfect chance to get like, yeah really cool models on the table and stuff you wouldn't usually take because yeah. it's a narrative game who cares if you win or lose so I took an old uh, Vlad von Karstein model had um, a regiment of ghouls two troops of ghouls and a ghoul ghast so giving them all thunderous one from the aura and then just to finish out I had a troop of wraiths 
and uh, a regiment of zombies just to fill the list out to run out of ghouls. <laughs> so it was uh, oh is that was that the reason so it was uh, ghouls they're super hitty they're super scary particularly with the thunder one and they're they're fast deceptively fast too yeah uh, but they are very uh glass cannon aren't they yeah so um and, i just didn't yeah, pop go, anything on my charge <laughs> yeah, and then die. yeah so i i sort of ha- had a bit of a defensive line as danny said he he went in i don't think you could quite go in with everything you wanted to no, I sacrificed the ghouls first up to hold you there and then piled in. Unfortunately, I didn't pile in with enough that actually did any damage. And um, then I got flank charged. My zombies died. My wraiths got held up and flank charged and it just went wrong. <laughs> I think that was that was I think that was the key, wasn't it? That I, I think I one shotted your zombies for, for a regiment of zombies, yeah. if I'm remembering that right. And then that gave me a chance, as you said, to flank charge your race who are, def- are they defense six, aren't they? Defense six. So they're really, really, really scary. Um, and being able to take them off meant then I could just focus on your ghouls and ghouls are not very good in a grind terrible nerve defense three yeah. it was literally just oh you're hitting on fours wounding on twos they're dead uh, next <laughs> and that's where the the elite i mean with all, all three games the elite on the elves makes so much difference doesn't it of just re-rolling the ones re-rolling the ones it makes things so much more consistent it'll it'll make a, a disastrous dice roll into a a poor dice roll it'll make a poor dice roll into an average dice roll and an average one into a good one you know um <laughs> But it was, yeah, Danny, thank you. So, um, and to be fair, it, with all of the games, really, I was, I'm was i sort of probably 75% there with the rules and I've got an idea of the tactics. But to be honest, the whole way through, Danny was holding my hand going, Chris, you've, you know, you're turning like that. You've got the right idea. But look, that's a forest, so you can't see. So just turn a little bit more, you know. And <laughs> just, just that attention to detail um, makes such a huge difference. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's my opponent help... Uh, quite unquite opponent helping me um but it makes a big difference that to winning or losing the game in the end you know just having that little bit more attention to detail um yeah if you hadn't turned those corsairs an extra say 20 degrees you wouldn't have had the flank charge on my regiment of ghouls and exactly. that could have lost you the game it's those little angles you've got to constantly like right where the where are these ones going to go next exactly i had danny could see i had the right idea but but i i just what the attention to detail wasn't there so it wasn't quite wasn't quite right um but yeah fantastic so it was yeah that game yeah the undead were sent packing weren't they quite quite uh brutally (laughs) actually yay Uh, you uh, even fell for my trap in the last turn and completely destroyed it uh i'll have we were playing hold the line the new scenario um, and I had my ghouls were in the centre box and I'd killed his corsairs and I overran my vampire to stand in front of him going, don't kill my unit strength, don't kill my unit strength. And he charged into the vampire, killed the vampire, overrun into the ghouls and then killed them as well. It was a perfect narrative ending. But, but, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Before yeah. I did it, I said, I know this is a trap and I know I shouldn't. If I'm trying to win the game, I know I should not do this but I'm going to do this anyway. And um, yeah, absolutely. We went in and we just, with with vengeance, didn't we, Danny? Yeah. We took out all our frustrations <laughs> of our terrible holiday on those uh, on those units. Yeah. It was Twilight King being true to their nature. That's what it was. Yes. I mean, you yeah. couldn't have played it any other way. Seriously. So, 
And I was thinking a little bit earlier, guys, and I haven't uh, definitely this is a conversation definitely shouldn't have on the pod, but offline. But never mind. We're doing it now. Um, (laughs) What I was thinking of, actually, guys, is if maybe roughly every month or every couple of months um, we could just get together and talk about um, the narrative of. So we pick a faction. So I think a good one to start with is Twilight Kid. And we just talk about the law and then we talk about how we might apply that to our armies what's what's interesting and and you know we look at the map and we think about it and have mm. just have a nice little chat about the uh, the narrative of a faction that's a great idea that's a good one yeah starting with yeah. twilight king's good because yeah. um i said i've written a novel for wing to start publishing called raging grace um unfortunately i was quite low down the release schedule and it, they had it for a year and a half all the way through covid um so by the time you started getting around to looking at it all the uh, background got changed. So now I'm currently going back uh, to my old novel and rewriting everything yeah. to fit with the new law of the Twilight King. Yeah. So I've, I've been going through, I've been annotating my Clash of Kings book, picking it out, going through my old stories, like, well, this doesn't fit anymore. I've got to take that out. I've got to rewrite this bit. So it's really interesting taking certain characters, like, like we do with the narrative uh, of like a, a campaign, you've got that bubble how did this character now fit in this new bubble um and how do i take off those sharp edges to stop the bubble popping <laughs> you, you know um chris danny um just just an aside it's been so interesting to see the reaction of the players on facebook yeah to your campaign yeah but it really has stirred up a lot of imagination and interest you know and uh and what a difference your storyline has made to people. I mean, I'm just looking at the comments on Facebook there and people saying, this is great, you know. So um, I think like I say, there should I be more of it. on the sofa. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and just imagine, just imagine if the post had been different, right? Uh, Chris and Danny, we played three games and the scenario was push. Yeah, you go, okay, terrific, yeah. Yeah. And instead exactly. of that, you know, the post on Facebook talks about it. There's and and there's some great pictures there. I, I got I got also say, yeah, uh, for me, it really lit up my heart to see all those painted miniatures, yeah, <laughs> being played. That, that was great. Yeah. So I mean, I'm gonna ask you, totally, it all tied in, didn't it, Walt? They, yeah, it was, it was all, thematically, yeah. it was perfect. They were perfectly painted. It looked exactly like it, it was, was very thematic. Head. Right? It was perfect. Yeah, so totally. I'm going to ask you, Danny, because I, I, I've got a personal, I've got a personal thought about this, right? How do you feel about pain, uh, playing against unpainted armies consistently? Consistently, um, life gets in the way of everything. Yeah. Um, and some people just don't have the time. If somebody's just managed to stick stuff together, get it on the table, just so they can play, I'm happy with that. Yeah. I really don't care. Um, if they just don't care, yeah. then I have a problem. It's just like, oh, yeah, I've just like, this is like my base, and it's like badly cut cardboard, and they've got goblins to come with blue tape. Yeah. Like, you could have at least made an effort to get it on the table. That's um, it. And if there's slow progress, I mean, there's um generally, when I play a lot of tournaments in the mm-hmm. southeast, generally you always see them painted up every now and again it'd be like 
this unit's not quite finished, but I really wanted to get it on the table. It's like, yeah, go for it. Awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah. Some guys turn up. That's, that's, not, what I'm, no, that's not really what we're talking about, though. I'm talking about what you were talking about before, where the same army, and sometimes it's just different units, right, because they're just recycling units through, yeah. but the army never gets painted, right? Never gets painted because it's just a, you know, it's just a, a piece moving across the board, you know, uh, and for, for me, playing against an army like that, it takes a lot of fun out of it. Uh, uh, yeah. Know, it's, uh, you, yeah. It's a difficult one, that one. Yeah. But I've been, I, I, a lot. I thought I'd ask yeah. you anyway. Mm-hmm. It is the immersion issue. I went to uh, a LARP once, and my mate was bigging it up. He's like, yeah, it's fantastic. We do all this. And I was expecting Lord of the Rings, and I got there, and it was like Rent-A-Ghost. And I was expecting this immersion <laughs> in this fantastic uh, fantasy world. And I was just like some nerd with his horn falling off. Oh, my horn's falling off again. I'm like, oh, God, why am I even here? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm sure Mighty understandable. Warriors had that problem all the time and complained about it loudly. <laughs> yeah. so, so you go to like a tabletop war game. You want to be in that situation. You want to get down low. It, it, like, like literally being in a movie, you see the units charging in it's thematic it's powerful uh or you can just sit at home and play total war on the laptop on your own yeah it's like you go for the community you go for the experience of playing against somebody else in the flesh you go for the experience of having these beautiful models on the tabletop in front of you it's a whole some bits can be more important to other people but as a whole that's the experience that we want from a game if somebody's not up to the standard you are doesn't yeah, I don't care, as long as you're having that's, fun. That's not important. Come along anyway, we'll lend you one. <laughs> yeah. Two exactly. two really important points there. I think Danny, you, you hit hit on it, is the person's attitude. Yeah. You know, if if they if you know, if they're almost being a little bit disrespectful isn't quite the word, but if they just sort of I don't care, you know, I've got grey plastic models on the table, I don't care, I don't care that yours are painted they're after a different experience to me, you know, um, Mm -hmm. whereas if they're on the journey that, Oh, I'm new to the hobby or I'm new to the game. I, I, it may not be next month or next year even, but my intention is to get this painted up and looking nice. And I want to go on that journey. Then of course, absolutely no problem. Um, but, um, for me, the perfect situation is to, as we had Danny, although I forgot the mat, um, two beautiful armies, you know, um, where someone's just put the effort in. That's, I think that's, you don't have to be the, I'm certainly not the best painter in the world, but it's just um, someone putting the effort in. Just, I think that's it, isn't it? What it comes down to. Um, and Clem talks about, has talked about it on the pod previously. Oh God, I forgot, I'm sorry guys. I've completely forgotten where I was going with this. <laughs> My mind's gone. No, look, I, I, just getting back to it. I mean, <laughs> to me, painting something, it doesn't matter how good it is or whatever. You just breathe life into it. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah. uh, uh, if your opponent doesn't really care about that, etc., um, and not even trying, then that, that takes a little bit away from it. That, that's the only thing, and that, that's why I was interested in your your perspective on that, Danny. Yeah. Especially with narrative gaming. Yeah, exactly. Because you're playing narrative to tell that story. You want to show that story. Otherwise, it's just a game, uh, and that's fine. Playing competitive. Whatever, but for a narrative game, I prefer it to be like nicely painted models. And also, because it is a narrative, you're telling a story, I'd love bigger, fancier terrain for it. Yeah. Because 
I mean, you go to places. If you, I don't know if you've ever been to Warhammer World and you go through yeah. the exhibition, like, my God, have you seen this terrain? How awesome would it to be playing this? Um, it's one thing that upsets me about going into Games Workshop stores this time, uh, these days. Now they've got all the terrain is, you can buy all this. This is exactly the type of terrain that you need to play this game. And it only costs this much money. Whereas back in the early days, we used to build all um, big display boards to play on. Um, I mean, three quarters of the board would be unplayable. You'd have this small little quarter that the uh, armies could play on. But the rest of it was all there just for show. I mean, I had a Bretonian tower. We were just nearly scraping the roof. <laughs> um, nice. We had ogre pits and everything. And people would come in and go, my God, this is amazing. One of the guys even got a KFC, stripped all the bones, um, s- boiled them, sprayed them, and put them on this board as a corpse. <laughs> it's like, that's nuts. It's insane. But we had so much fun doing it. Um, and people would come in and look at it. It's like, my God, are these real bones? And we're like, Shh. <laughs> the bones of the last person who asked <laughs> but it's that impact that's it's that fun it's that atmosphere <clears throat> and just having gray plastic on the table it's like it, it loses that atmosphere yeah. yeah there's a long big ladder there right at the top where you've got like the warhammer world exhibitions and then you've got like the bottom rung where it's two guys in a working men's club playing on a, a wooden table because we forgot the mat we had fun either way. It doesn't matter. But you make do with what you've got. That's what we had. And we made the best of what we had. Um, so if you've got them playing unpainted models and you want to get them on the table, play, have fun. If you're having fun with that narrative, just as long as every time you're improving it, you're trying to give a better experience for yourself. You're trying to give a better experience for your player. Um, and the community bounces back from that. Um, yeah. it, it just slowly increases, makes everything better for everyone. Because if you're around people constantly going, yeah, this is great. Look at this. That enthusiasm, it's like, oh, I'm allowed to be enthusiastic about this. It's yeah. it's almost it's like catchy. It's it's catchy, isn't it? yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, I call it positive social bullying. It's just like mm. if you like, come on, guys, this is great. And you're like, yeah, yeah, this is a wave of energy. I want to go surfing on this. I'm going to join in. I'm going to paint these. I'm going to. So what's the thing I love about the Kings of War? community is like everybody builds themselves up slowly just a little step up that ladder at a time and it's cool i what i love you said you said there danny was just if you and your friend are new to this and starting out you use what you've got right so you know yeah. when you're starting out sure two two books can be a hill you know if that's what you guys want to do and you're both in, on the same page but then it's the the kind of the journey of slowly but surely making it look prettier and getting better at this stuff and you know and of course you know just to give you an idea pretend money doesn't come into it as well right yeah and even opponents uh sometimes when i've got a list i've got a new army and i want to test it out i'll play against myself at home i know the podcasters can't see this but i'm just going to show you see that blue rug on the floor behind me that's my battle mat (laughs) i sit on the floor i get my two armies out i throw some half painted terrain down and i just play just to see how the, the units work um for competitive uh, aspect see where what the angles i have to watch for and just so when i get to the table uh, my opponent's playing me and they're going uh, what's this unit doing i'm like i don't know uh, i'll just check my sheet and you're constantly looking at numbers i just want to be able to go yeah they've got 18 attacks they're hitting on this they're rolling on this great so i can just keep that momentum going enjoy the game without going oh i'll just check my rule book i'm not really sure about this and yeah. i mean i'm an expen- i'm an experienced gamer I should know all this stuff. 
um, somebody coming into it, looking at your rule books, and I mean, I play lots of tournaments, even I'm like, uh, can I do this? I've got yeah. an idea. What do you think? And I say, in the Kings of War community, I know I'm going to get a nice answer, uh, and we're going to look at it logically. Uh, in other games, it'd be like, oh no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Look in this rule book. Uh, well, now I've got to look through the entire rule book to find this one little rule that you say I can't do this for. It just adds to aggravation. It just makes an unpleasant game. You just want things to flow nicely. And you make do with what you've got. <laughs> that happened a load of times in our games, Danny, didn't it? Where I was sort of like, I've got this crazy plan to do X. Can I do, how can I do it legally within the rules? And then you're like, okay, well, move this guy to here and then move this unit around here. And it happens a lot with charges. Like, can I multi-charge here with these two units? And you're like, yeah, you know, move that one first. And it lines up like that. And it's, um, but you, you simply, as you said, you simply don't get that in other games. In other games, you'd be, you know, the other, the other po- person might have the opinion, well, you should know the rules to this game that we're playing, right? You shouldn't have to ask or I don't know, whatever, yeah. whatever it might be. It's just, just different. And um, maybe if other people enjoy it, in a different way to us that's fine that's fine i'm not saying we're not saying what we're doing is is bet is inherently better but it's just for us this is what we want to play and the experience we want to have and danny if we go back to waltz four different types of player which i'm just wondering what sort of type of player you are so what do you think is more important to you is it kind of the community aspect and that would make you a hearts or is it the unfold you know as walt i think are you a diamond walt is that what we know no, no, i'm a spade you're a spade spades we immerse ourselves in the story and we're <laughs> we, we typically you know lose track of all the other important stuff like <laughs> the rules for instance right how many dice have i got to roll so you know we're more interested in the story that's coming out of it and the diamonds the diamonds they're, they're the people that are looking obviously for the uh, points, gathering points, and and, and moving up tables. Achieving something and improving. Achieving something. Yes. Getting yeah. better at the game. Getting better at the game, and it's the it's the killers, right? They're the clubs, right? They're the, they're the ones that will want to win at all costs, even in fact they want to see people lose, and they. Uh, but look, there there is a place for the killers. Chris, you asked me this question before, and you put me on the spot, and I've thought about it. The killers are really the stress testers of our game system, right? They're the ones that stress test the rules. Exactly. Uh, and they're the ones that fill up the um, uh, inbox of the uh, rules committee, right? <laughs> In terms of, no, you know, I think you're exactly yeah, right. With the, yes. the combinations of X, Y, Z and why can't I do this and whatever. And so we need the killers because they they will, you know, they will Although sort out you could also make the argument without the killers, we wouldn't have to worry about this. Possibly. Yeah, that's true. Because no one else would be doing that. Yeah, well, it wouldn't be me, that's for sure. You know. It's no. Interesting, in the middle of all that, well, you use the phrase stress test. Uh, yeah. I use that all the time when I'm writing characters. It's like... Oh, that's interesting. Chris went to the... It's like, what happened today for Chris? Chris went to the shops. He came home, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Chris's character has not been stress tested by going to the shops. If Chris goes to the shops and there's a gunman holding up the cashier, mm. Chris is now in a stressful situation. Chris is being stress tested. What does Chris do in this situation? That's a good story. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Stress yeah. test characters. So you can, 
put that into your narrative as well. Um, okay, this this character, this army is going into this situation. You stress test it. You put yeah. it under a like that difficult situation, and it's those difficult situations that make more compelling stories. So even though you've got the killers in competitive, you can also put the killers into narrative, and by stress testing those characters and those ideas, yeah. you get a better story out of it. Yeah, and maybe good. the best the best stress test, for example, if we have a holy Basilian knight or paladin or whatever, presumably the ultimate stress test for them is going to be against evil. You know, you could have them against the Trident Realm or something like that, which would be fine. But it feels like if they're fighting against the abyss or the undead or something really, truly evil, that's the ultimate stress test for them, I guess. I'd say no, because they're a high paladin. They've got so much personal faith. They've got so much personal. Uh, I mean, they've killed tens of huge amounts of uh enemies to get where they're getting uh to be i mean a knight in medieval times trained for like six hours a day uh, killing people killing monsters is a paladin's bread and butter that is not stress testing them what's stress testing them is putting them in a difficult situation where they've got to choose between one thing or another so what's more important to high paladin daniel l daniel of the celestial grove is it saving the village um killing the enemies of Basilia. Um, and how does she do that? If she goes out and kills this one threat, she might be saving more people. Or does she stay in the village, defend it against the undead, those people that she does know? That's the stress test of the character. What does oh, she do in that situation? Fascinating. And then she has to live with the consequences of her decision of maybe she let the people of the village die and she has to yeah. carry that with her. But uh, the point you make, then, Danny, that's, that's the start of a storyline that goes even further and further and further, right? You can go off in yeah. all sorts of different directions. Yeah. And now, if you've played a little game, you might think, I really like High Paladin Danielle. Mm. I, I, I feel like some kind of like emotional contact with this character. Um, I might actually, you know, go for my ambush game and add some more characters and uh, build my army up around... Danielle of the Celestial Grove. Yeah. And I only named it Celestial Grove because they've all got shields. I gave gave them different shields with um, trees on them. Yeah. So that's that's interesting, it. Danny. Yeah. What I just heard was you'll build around Danielle, the paladin, right? But you won't necessarily build a, a, according to a stat line. You'll uh, you build according to what is the right what are the right troops to put around her i mean they could be the most basic troops right yeah depending on the storyline yeah. yeah this is ronnie renton and you are listening to the Mantic universe podcast um originally my idea for my basilians was i wanted to do an all-girl basilian army because uh-huh. I, I just love the idea of fighting nuns it's um like I say, with stress testing yeah. a character, yeah. um, a nun is quite pious in in our traditional, like, yeah. real world. They're quite pious. They get up early. They tend the gardens. They go to mass. They, they pray. Yeah. Um, what would happen if they also had to fight and kill? Um, how does that religious mentality translate to living yeah. in a battlefield situation? Yeah. Um, so all my paladins, uh, I converted them all up. They've all got double-handed swords and they've all got girls' heads. Um, I call them my galadins because they're all gals. <laughs> so Very good. You're giving me flashbacks of uh, Drown's Secrets, by the way, and those nuns weren't so holy. That's all I'm going to say. I'll end it there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, sorry, Danny, go ahead, buddy. Uh, I've forgotten now. Go. <laughs> 
Speaking of which, I, I long remembered my point, which the conversation's gone way, way past it. Um, the, the the bit I forgot about earlier was, yeah, I think Clem would say if you if you're playing with unpainted models and you're never planning on painting them and you're playing on a just on a, ta- a kitchen table or whatever with no real terrain, um, you know that banana is a paladin or whatever, um, then you may as well play video games, right? Because yeah. if you're not interested in the visual aspect of the hobby. You know, Clem would say, just go and play Total War or whatever, you know? Yeah, don't worry you, about can, it. you can still enjoy it, but it doesn't give you the full. Uh, it's the same as watching. Yeah. Sit, you come in at home and watch, you sit there and watch Coronation Street. You know what's going to happen. You know it's boring, but for some reason, you, you, you get a little bit of enjoyment out of it at that time. It's not like going to see Avatar at the cinema with 3D goggles on. It, it, you still sat watching something. You're getting a different experience. Going to see something like that is like, whoa, man! You're getting the full immersive experience, yes. And um, well, and and well, why don't don't you talk a little bit about your your orcs that you will soon be gracing uh, Clash of Kings Australia, right? Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you know this, Danny. I'm taking the Scar Orcs, right? Yeah, and the Scar Orcs have got a storyline attached to them as well. I mean, Orcs are very adventurous. They like going, you know, the typical trope, which is, you know, going into other lands and and looting and pillaging and things like that. But the Scar Orcs are finding themselves in a bit of a situation where um, the wills are drying up around them, and uh, you know the the food and the, the wild around them is dying out and uh, they're really being fo- forced into a migration. So they now need to move into other lands. And, of course, the lands that they move into are the lands of the humans and the elves and all the other things. And basically, the storyline is compelling me to build that force. Um, and I've done that. And uh, and a lot of basic troops are in there. Uh, and... Um, Look, there are there are some uh, what I would call probably um, some uh, really good troops, but most of them are basic troops because the whole tribe's moving. And uh, Chris asked me this question. He said, "Well, you're going to go to Clash of Kings Australia. Um, are you going to are you going to take your orcs?" I said, "Yeah, I am." He said, "Have you thought about Riftforge orcs?" And I went, no, "No, I'm not changing it. I'm not turning them into Riftforge orcs, right? Because that's not who they are, right?" And um, and I'm not going to optimise them either, yeah, to win a tournament, so to speak. Yeah, there's 2,300 points of it, and they're going to be true to themselves, and they're going to go have a go. And uh, and you know, and some of those games that we'll, that we'll have at the tournament, for me, uh, there'll be some really funny dice rolls, and there'll probably be some legendary stuff that comes out of that. And I'll adopt that into the storyline of the Scar Orcs and then move on and keep playing playing them in more narrative games. But they participate in tournament games as well, yeah. See, my first thought when you said that was, like, Scar Orcs? Why are they called Scar Orcs? Have they got some, like, scarification ritual that they have to go through when they're a young orc uh, to prove that they're one of the tribe? You're, you're um, right on top make, of it. Does that yeah. make them quite a savage side so they won't, yeah. like have any techno- well, technology like a chariots uh, are they all foot based um do they have more monsters because there's more monsters are in there um just the word scar yeah. gives them more of a, a primitive feel and um, yeah. and that's a narrative thing you can play on yeah you've picked that up your army. absolutely yeah i mean that name <laughs> took a long time to sort of like you know come about <laughs> yeah come about and uh 
<laughs> I'm destroying the furniture around here. But, uh, <laughs> but it's interesting you picked up on that, yeah? So that, that's exactly right. It, 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 um, you know, it um, influences some of the other things about the false composition. And I'm not going to change it. I'm just not. <laughs> but I'll take them a tournament and they'll do okay, yeah? Yeah. But, uh, you know, but if I was going to be a true tournament player, I would probably have to scrap half of that army and put some really hard-hitting stuff in there yeah, to try and get to the top table, so to speak. And that, that's not the sort of player I am. Um, uh, so I was talking to Chris about this. Uh, like, you can still play with CAC units. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the units are bad. That's it. It's all about learning how to play with them. Um, you'll find weird situations where you'll come up against lists go, oh, those, those units are rubbish, I'm going to walk through this. And all of a sudden... You're in a really bad situation. You go, oh, actually, the, 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 I've been outplayed here. So yeah. it doesn't matter how good the units are, even the hard-hitting stuff, you can still win yeah. with bad stuff. Well, yeah, actually, it's an interesting point. It. It's an interesting point, Danny, because uh, really, if you're a really skilled player, right, you should be able to use the most basic units to achieve really good stuff. So I'm certain if Danny was, try- was actually trying, you could give him a rubbish list and give me, you know, the scariest meta list. Danny's <laughs> going to win. He's going to win the game because Kings of War doesn't work like other games. No, it's, you right. know, they're trying to balance. The intention is it's, they're never going to perfectly balance 29 armies, whatever. It's impossible. No. Um, but, you know, if you want that, play chess. But the intention is it's balanced. So, you know, when we're talking about bad units, the, when when it was play tested, it was agreed, yeah, they're, they're not bad. So it's not like... None of the units in the game, I mean, actually, maybe we can have a Mup Shorts on, are any of the units in the game completely worthless? Um, but as a general rule, you know, if you've got in, some in, some infantry, okay, maybe another type of infantry is 20% better or something, but it's not like you have absolutely no chance, right? Danny's going to be, if, he's, if he wants to win, uh, he's going to beat me as a good player. He's going to beat me nine times out of ten. Yeah. Uh, with whatever army, just because he's good at the game, because it's it's about movement, it's about skill, it's about yeah. anticipating things, it's about planning two, three turns in advance. And as Danny was saying to me, and I'll, I'll just say this on the pod because it's so important, Danny was saying to me, Chris, how are you going to win the game? It's the objectives. So don't worry about my army so much. Think about how you're going to, by the end of the game, be on the objective points or have the tokens or whatever it is. Um, and by the way, Danny brought beautiful tokens. It wasn't just it wasn't just blank discs on the board. They they looked pretty. Um, and I think that's that's the difference between an okay player and a good player. Well, one of sorry, one of them, other than they're more precise, etc. But all round best player is that you, Danny was just thinking about how am I going to win the game every turn. He was just going back to that simple point. Yeah. Um, and he won most of the games. Well, there you go. There you go. Super, but this is uh, this is very much in canon now for my Twilight Kin army. This this happened. This was our because I played I've played a couple of games of Ambush before, but this is um, this is going in canon now of the story of our adventure to this little village in uh, outside I, of Sparta mm-hmm. where we Chris, got absolutely I, slaughtered. And we made Chris, it, we made yeah. it out. Chris, I think revenge is your only option. Yeah, <laughs> revenge. Yeah, I mean you're going to have to go back here. You can't take this lying down, right? I mean, those Bastillians need another visit. But, but yeah, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. 
I might come. I don't, but I might come and have a go anyway. <coughs> and um, it was funny though. I think in game two, Danny said, "Chris, has anyone challenged you for the first round of Clash of Kings?" Uh, and I said, "Yes, they have. Thank you very much. They call me the gold mine. You know, I'm free point, free points. Come this way. Yes, uh, I will be um, destroyed by Tom King's goblins in round one." Well, that's good, Chris, because last Clash of Kings, he destroyed me round one with his goblins. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Um, but, oh, it's those mints. I'm terrified of the mincers. It's those, that big shield. Yeah. I played really well, but the very first turn, because I haven't played Magua and Jews before, and, you know, you just get there, you're, like, setting up. I didn't look at the list properly, and I failed to notice he had Wild Charge D3, and I just left him within the wild charge and he rolled that five and six, got in and that held up one unit, which meant I couldn't get across the next turn. And it's just like a cascade effect. And uh, yeah, he, he beat me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the mincers didn't go. do much because I outplayed the mincers. I know how to deal with them. Just threw chaff in, blocked them up. They couldn't really do much. But because I didn't, I messed up that flank on the first turn, I couldn't swing in to the turn where they needed to be. Uh and I lost just put you behind where you needed to be. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Super guys. I mean, to be honest, I think we could talk all day about uh, about narrative stuff. But I think, yeah, so going forward, I, I love I love my own idea, which I always do, of course, dear listeners, <laughs> of um, us just having narrative episodes, talking about the different factions. Um, I, I, you know, I hope, very much hope you guys will join me for that, uh, you know, on a monthly or maybe bi-monthly basis or something something like that yeah. anyway where we can just get excited about factions and Absolutely. if there's a listener who's Absolutely. interested in an army maybe we can rather than talking about oh they hit on fours no they hit on threes that stuff um we can we can you know what gets us excited about playing a particular army other than yeah the maths exciting maths um and what what we did in this one as well was um we basically took what we had and made a story out of it and the other side of that is picking a story and fitting what you've got into that story. So um, if you've seen, you've watched a film or you've read a book and you go, that's awesome. I want to replay that on the battlefield in a narrative way. You look at what you've got and how you can put that in or you can build towards that. I mean, let's play a quick game. Name me a science fiction film or a fantasy film. Something epic that's inspired you. It, it could be small. It could just go for it. Hit me with one. We've got to say the Lord of the Rings. Come on. Okay, so now Lord of the Rings, big epic one in there. You've got the Battle of Pelennor Fields, so you can take your Scar uh, tribe of orcs, get them all at the front, and attacking a big castle. You could have Basilians defending that castle, uh, change the name of um, some of the characters, uh, and then put in, like, every turn from turn on, turn three onwards, you roll to see when your reinforcements come into the flank, you've got the Rohirrim, um, things like that. So all of a sudden you've taken that one big idea and you're going to play it on the battlefield, how you want to play it. Uh, even smaller games, I mean, uh, the thing, John Carpenter film, All in the Snow, you, you could play that. One of that my favourite films of all time, Danny. So what you could do is you could play Dead Zone, literally just get a big bit of cardboard, spray it white, drive it a little bit, do a little grid on it, um, put some like small buildings on and then you could have a GPS GCPS team just for one game pull the heads off them get some of the uh, Northern Alliance tribes heads uh, paint them 
them on your G- uh, blue tap them on your GP- GPS for one game so they look like uh, Kurt Russell and basically go in your bits box, uh, take a load of tentacles and heads and stuff, stick them all together, quickly paint it, dry brush it, do some details. You've got the thing uh, and use that as a plague lord and play a dead zone game, uh, except every round when you cause a wound on it, it disappears and you randomly roll to see which guy it is now. That guy then attacks. That guy then becomes your force. And when you kill him, the thing comes out. And so you can make a small narrative game. Just play the thing. And all you've had to do is paint up some heads, have a fun day building up a weird monster from your bits box. Yeah. Like, like stick it on a base. You've got a, 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 one of those monsters for the undead army. A shambling blight, whatever they've got. Go blight. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> well, you can do the same for Starship Troopers or whatever whatever yeah. you're interested in and you can just play the kind of games you, you that you that you're really passionate about yeah absolutely i mean it, it's simple i mean just take a cork board you can do a small game just spray it get some black paint stick some sand in it mix it up paint it up dry brush it gray you've got a nice uh, gray terrain play something on a moon uh what we did once was we got a, a jigsaw and just cut out found a load of mdf sheeting in a skip we cut it all out into like long, weird twisting shapes and basically made modular caverns and made mod- uh, and wrote rules for fighting in caverns like models can't fly. They have to use uh, use the ground movement, but they can't fly. Uh, they can, things can only see so far because of the, uh, the darkness. Uh, and it's simple things like that. Um, just to let your brain go wild. But you're choosing those cool stories and thinking, how can we do this? I'm um, also thinking... To be honest, Danny, Clash of Kings UK will all be there. Maybe we can do it. You know, we can all bring a 750 point ambush army and we can just play a little um, the night before or whatever. Find a time that we can just all sit down and uh, make tell some more stories with each other. Play some side games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Perfect, guys. That was absolutely, absolutely fascinating. Is there anything we haven't touched on? Loads. But we can say that for another podcast, yeah, Chris. It's the tip of the iceberg, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, to be fair. Fantastic. Um, but, yes, guys, thank you so much for joining me. And it's um, it's New Year's Day. Well, Happy New Year. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, and Happy New Year to you guys. 